Hey, hey, welcome back to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. So we're picking back up with Roz, and in her part two, she articulates a politic of prison abolition from a lens of eradicating sexual violence that's especially apt in the wake of this week's news of the Chauvin conviction. apply to Occidental because that's the only place that you could even fathom going? Um, I think, I mean, I applied to all California schools. So, oh, so you did not want to be on the East Coast? Nope. No? I was like, I want to put as much distance between <laughs> this, you know, place that I grew up and myself. Like, huh. I just want to put as much distance. Because? Because I was running away from this from person. The snow or, or just the, the <laughs> from, location where this person came to be up yes. until that point. Yes. Ah. And I, I realize that now. And I'm like, I really just packed up everything and ran. Mm. And I thought that by running, I could outrun all the things that I was carrying. I could not. No. They were can. very heavy. Right. <laughs> they were with you. along. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And I, you know, and I kind of had that realization where I was like, I'm 3,000 miles away, but I'm still fucking sad. And mm. I was like, oh, it's because they're part of you. Okay. Mm. You can't run away from all your problems. Mm. So, um, yeah. And I, like, I thought, you know, in terms of, like, eating disorder, in terms of, um, that sort of stuff and like body image, I was, I was very bulimic while I was dating oh, no. my boyfriend when I was a uh, senior in high school mm-hmm. and my first year of college. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just like, I thought that he was the root. Ah. I thought that it was coming from him because ah. we had a very toxic relationship. Uh-huh. And I was like, if I get rid of him, then I will have fixed the whole bulimia of it all. Ah. But the Uh whole bulimia thing stayed. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world is happening? Uh. Like, I got rid of the man. Like, what do you mean? Uh. And then I was like, what? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, seeing this new person and they're wonderful and smart and they actually like give a shit about me. Uh And I'm still, I'm still engaging in these eating disorder behaviors like what the fuck is going on uh-huh. what the fuck so, was going on i had not du- i misidentified the root the uh-huh. root was not one singular person sure the root had taken hold way deep within me but and what it, was the seed um i didn't have enough sense of self-worth and mm. i based it off mm. of who i was around mm. and who i allowed into my life mm-hmm. and when i sat with the idea that maybe i could be enough on my own ha! things started to kind of Hey-oo you know, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, that was uncomfortable too, because that meant that the people that I had surrounded myself with had to, or I realized that they weren't, um, they were, you know, aiding that version of myself Mm. that didn't have a high sense of self worth. Mm. And I was just like, I can't, Hmm. I cannot continue to put myself in these environments that don't affirm me. Ah. 
What else are some features of your college um, experience? Like, what describe college for me? It sounds um, like a, uh, it sounds like it got off to a uh, like a it got off to an a very. Uh, <laughs> I'm make, you, I, I'm gesticulating I, wildly. I would say it's a. It got off to a, a start. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> I don't know what, what, how to collapse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it got off to a start. <laughs> it started. Yeah, yeah. it started. You're um, you're dealing with some heavy stuff. Yeah, but like, did it get better or more or less weighty with the heavy stuff? And you know, you you were able to discover more delight and joy, practices of joy in college. Like, what was what was um, it like? Yeah, I mean, I. There was a lot of growth in, mm. in college. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. and um, Growth how and in what ways? Well, I, I entered college, you know, thinking I was straight and I left being gay. So okay. that was definitely right. one part That'll of the growth. Okay. I also entered college not realizing that I had survived sexual violence ah. and then realizing at the end that I had. I see. Mm-hmm. And then being, I had a lot more language at the end of my college experience to be able to describe experiences I had in college where I was like, oh no, that was, that was definitely a violation of my boundaries uh, or my autonomy uh, um, or my body. Uh, and that was really uncomfortable because I was just like, oh, trauma. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like 22, like I... Um, I was sitting in a therapy session with like a school counselor, mm-hmm. you know, they, they weren't even a licensed therapist. They were just like a postdoc student uh-huh. that uh-huh. were getting their hours getting to be a hours. licensed yeah. therapist. Uh-huh. And they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really gave them a run for their money. Cause I was just like, Fuck, help. <laughs> um, and they were like, okay, well it, there, there was, um, a lot of discussion going around about, um, a person, on campus and whether or not they had sexually assaulted someone. Wow. And I was trying to figure that out. That was like an open discussion? Yeah, it was a very weird campus. Okay. All right. And I was trying to figure out um, like why that made me so uncomfortable and anxious. And I felt like actively unsafe. Ah. And I was just like, why do I feel this way? What the hell is happening? Yeah, why yeah, is this yeah. causing such a reaction in me? Uh-huh. It's not, I'm not seeing you know, not everything is visible, you know, when you're looking at other people, but I was like, I'm not seeing this reaction in other folks when Uh they process this info. Why am I feeling this way? And the therapist was like, well, um, are you a survivor of sexual assault? Mm. And I was like, for the first time in my life, I've like thought about it. Wow. 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 And I was like, uh, yes. Uh, And I, it It was was a question. I was like, I, I think so. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, let's, describe it and I described it and I kind of I was like throwing all of these like qualifiers and caveats in there sure. and I was like but it wasn't what I you know know, you I know don't rape say, to be yeah. like it, it doesn't fit this definition That's it doesn't right. fit this it, it didn't right. look like this, this it, it was look my like boyfriend was on SBU. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a dark um, alley yeah and I finished all of that and I was like, yeah, so that's what happened. And she was like, yeah, that's sexual violence. Uh, that was sexual assault. You mm, were sexually assaulted. Mm. And I was just like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah, and yeah. then I was just like a mess for like three days. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I was like, that explains everything. Yeah, sure. Um, and 
that, that was, that was not fun. That Mm. was just like really not fun. I don't even know how to describe it, but just like processing all that shit. I was just like, Oh my God, I buried this for six years and I didn't even touch it. Mm. Like not even like, Oh, it's bubbling up. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. It might consume me. It's on my mind, mm-hmm. but I'm going to no, put you, it back. It was like, I didn't away. even think about Under it. It lock was and key. away. Yeah. yeah. I can compartmentalize like really well. So yeah. I did that great mm-hmm. for six mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. and then it came out and it was, there was no putting it back in. Mm-hmm. And, um, that kind of changed the way that my college experience, um, closed out mm-hmm. because I was just, I I was like trying to reckon with my own past and mm-hmm. I was like the fuck what does this mean for me mm-hmm. like do, is this my identity now uh, like right. am, am I just am I just like a a, a broken person right. and that's, do I have the scarlet letter on me right mm-hmm. now like are people gonna see me as this if I tell them mm-hmm. that this is what I've been through mm-hmm. blah 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 and it was it was very weird. And then I was like, oh shit, I might be gay too. So <laughs> then that like <laughs> didn't help. Sure, it was like a month apart. I yeah, was like, oh that's a lot. fuck, yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah. why? Yeah. So that all kind of like everything kind of just like came crashing down. And it was like all the shit that I had pushed down yeah. bubbled up. And I was like, well, it's, we're here, we're you know, here now. whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. And it, you know, at at that point, I kind of made up my mind I was like all right well I got this degree in diplomacy and world affairs but I like really do not like this field because my options are work for the UN or work for a UN affiliate Mm -hmm. or like be in congress Mm -hmm. or something and Mm -hmm. I was like I don't think any of those actually get to the root of what brought me to this field like which is is the fact that human rights are being violated Uh. and oh wow, this is really important. I should have said this earlier. But when I was at the UN, I was like, you know, I, I again, went in like completely like um, naive. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, everyone here is going to be brilliant and open-minded and like working towards the same thing. Bunch of fucking scumbags everywhere. What Holy do you mean? shit. At the UN? Yeah. What are you saying? I got sexually harassed so much. Mm. There was a, like, the I worked with, um, all of my other coworkers were women, mm-hmm. and when we would, like, go out together, they would be like, avoid him. Avoid him. Oh, wow. These people were, like, ambassadors. Well, yeah. They were oh, high-level shit. Of it's course. always the high-level yeah, shit. Yeah, that's right. But they were like, avoid him. Avoid him. Do not go on a date with him, uh-huh. no matter how many times he asks. Wow. And I was just like, you have a list yeah, right. of these things? Yeah, like, and it, that everybody is aware of? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it it was just, it it hurt like yeah. on a really really deep level yeah. because I was just like you came up with these human rights definitions and you, the people in this building are violating yeah, them like yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah. is yeah. happening right, right, right. I was so confused yeah. I was like I don't get it uh-huh. I need to get away from here and yeah it just it was very daunting and mm-hmm. I was like I I can't I can't in good faith work in this space mm. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip. Yeah. <laughs> and um my like i mean it, there's all there's just contradictions everywhere too mm-hmm. because you know they've got their the un is notorious for the parties that they throw too like Ooh. they throw massive parties and things get not things good. get 
not appropriate yeah. really quick. Yeah. And also the bill for the party is fucking expensive. No, and I'm like, what you're like, and this is just how governance works in our world. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people that are at the high levels of the state that all, you know, break bread and drink together mm-hmm. and the bill is, and they're spending all this money on yeah. it. And I'm like, weren't we in a talk about hunger and food insecurity yeah. Yeah. like two hours ago yeah. and you just bought a $400 dinner? Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, I, yeah, I'm, I, I can't be here. Hmm. I'm sorry. Hmm. Like I, this isn't, I don't know why I thought this would be different, uh. but I'm now realizing that I was horrifically wrong. Mm. Um, so I'm like, well, now I have this degree. Yeah. <laughs> now what do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is at the end of college when you had just been, you've just been confronted of the fact or reminded of uh, being a sexual assault survivor, coming to the realization truly that like you are gay. So like, were you even, were you even capable of like figuring out like what you wanted to do after school at, you know, at this moment? No, Mm. not at all. Mm. Um, I was just like, I don't, I, I don't know. I I feel like I was just like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through to tomorrow. Because it was just, it was a crushing weight. (laughs) It was so much. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, I I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I don't know what next week is going to look like sure, for me. You sure. want to ask me what I want to do for the, for my career? Yeah. yeah oh my yeah. God. I don't yeah. even know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, this is all, this is all very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I hope that's okay. Yes, but, of course. Um, you know, out through all of this again, really, really big trigger warning. Um, like the summer after I graduated, mm-hmm. just everything, I, I was working basically an unpaid internship um, at a magazine mm. because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. Like, I just need to do something, yeah. though. And I had, like, no money, and I was still, like, reckoning with all of this shit, and everything felt so heavy and so impossible. Mm-hmm. And it was, like we said earlier, like, one tiny thing set me off, and I was, like, ridiculously suicidal uh, in that moment. Mm. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Living sucks yeah. and I can't do it. Yeah. And I want to, I want out. Yeah. We're ending it. Yeah. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I didn't attempt to. Mm-hmm. I, like, you just said, you, not just, but you had suicidal ideation. Yes. Yeah. And it was, mm-hmm. was like, I was like a half step away from acting on it. Mm-hmm. And I used that step instead to like call a friend and be like, uh, I need you to get here right fucking now. Uh, and she was there 30 seconds later. Mm-hmm. And, that action that I took saved my own life. Hmm. And, but it was like that level of weight that yeah. I was feeling where I was like, I, I can't. Yeah. I'm just, it's too much. I'm giving up. Yeah. And, you know, I'm obviously here now, so yeah. I didn't give up. Mm-hmm. But it's never... Once I had that thought, it was it was very hard to kind of like claw my way out of that. And sure. I'm, and I still feel that way. And sure. I, Meaning you still have suicidal ideation. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think back to like that twenty-two-year-old person, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I'm I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Sure. But so much of you, as a twenty-two-year-old Roz, mm-hmm. is still here in me, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pain. Girl, you ain't that's never there. 24, 25, What do you 25, mean? Of yeah. I feel <laughs> ancient. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Okay, She's like, 150 me. years ago when I was 22. <laughs> like, if you don't, hush. At the, at the wise old age of 25. <laughs> 
No, I do. I feel like I feel like the last year made me feel a bazillion times older. Sure, of course, it yeah. aged everyone. But girl, you ain't even got the Saturn return. You feel? Oh, gosh. I know. Please. I know. I'm like, please, can we? Hurry? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for the other side of this. Please. <laughs> no, no, no. This sucks fucking. here. Okay. It does. It does get better. Okay, it does. Um, <laughs> I, I promise, my twenties were interesting. So no, yeah, no, that's no. what everyone has said. Yeah. and I think I. I like I shocked one friend because I think they thought they were a lot older <laughs> or they thought I was a lot older than I mm. was. And, um, they're in their forties and they were like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm turning 45 in a fucking pandemic. And I was like, yeah, Oh my God. Like, what would you do if you could celebrate? And they're mm. like, I would go dancing all night. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what about you? And I was like, well, I'm turning 25 this year. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for you <laughs> so oh yeah but yeah i really needed to i really need to watch myself because i'm like oh my god i'm so old and people are like you're literally annoying you so, are a i'm a baby actually a baby mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. like maybe that's why i feel like i have no fucking clue what i'm doing because i'm a literal child so <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> oh my god um so you had you had this very you, okay, you had yeah, a, that sucked. That was trash. That no, was, that was a not good time in my life. No, of course it was. No, it didn't. It wasn't trash. It just it was. It was hard. I mean, anyone who anyone who had to confront what you had to confront at that time in your life, like post college is, or the or the the precipice of post college is difficult yeah. for most people. So you yeah. compound that with everything that you were you, you were being asked to confront and process. Like, oh yeah, of course that's not gonna that's not gonna be super groovy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So give yourself a wasn't little bit of cool. a break. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't super cool. Yeah. So what 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 happened after your your friend and you saved your life and like like were you catapulted from that into the work that you do now or mm, did, was yeah. or were you still kind of just trying to get through everything day by day at the magazine and then so that like t- talk to me about how how we got from this very like very difficult dark moment to yeah. now where you are um you have my words maybe not yours you have channeled your channeled that instinct for uh insisting on human rights that you know you began in high school into the work that you do now with the organizations that you do now yes um so working at that magazine even though it wasn't what i thought i wanted to do was mm. actually like probably the best thing I could have done because, um, because I met incredible people, first Ah. of all, Mm -hmm. and it really did lead me here. It Mm -hmm. was like a wild domino effect. Mm -hmm. So I was working for Ms. Magazine, actually. Uh I was just surrounded by, Mm -hmm. you know, gender, women, feminist thought, Mm -hmm. feminist writing all day. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I am constantly confronted with stories of sexual violence Mm. and horrible gender-based violence Mm. all the time. Mm. And, um, while I was working there, um, justice, Supreme court justice Kennedy stepped down Mm -hmm. and Kavanaugh was nominated to take his space. And I was just like, Oh, and at at that time when Kavanaugh like assumed that position, we didn't know about the sexual assault stuff. Mm -hmm. We just knew he was, slimy and gross Mm -hmm. and we were like oh fuck we're so screwed Mm -hmm. um and everybody at ms was like okay well you know a lot of us have been in a supreme court fight before but you all are children so you haven't so we're gonna tell you what to do Mm -hmm. and we're just gonna get to it Mm -hmm. and we were like okay Mm -hmm. and um then i was introduced to uh 
person that was doing a video project on like young people that were involved in politics and like what led them to be politically engaged. I did a video project with her that introduced me to a organizer named Gabby Mm -hmm. who, um, we stayed in touch. They were like, Oh, I'm super plugged into the LA organizing scene. And I was like, please be my friend. Oh my God. I want to be around you forever. (laughs) And we ended up living together later. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like, Oh yeah, there's this event I'm doing. There's this event I'm doing. Like you should meet these people. And they started really introducing me to folks. And then the sexual assault allegations about Kavanaugh came out Mm -hmm. and I, I'm still like raw as fuck. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like my own experience and seeing this like play out where it's like, oh, this man is a rapist Mm -hmm. and he's about to assume to the highest possible point in his career with Mm -hmm. no consequences. Mm -hmm. And I I was just, I was so triggered and I was so angry. I had Mm -hmm. so much anger. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my fucking God, over my dead body will Mm -hmm. this happen. Mm -hmm. And my friend Gabby was like, hey, there's going to be a march in Hollywood and they need speakers. Mm. Can I get you in touch with the organizers and you can be a speaker? Whoa. And I was like, I've never done anything like that before yeah. ever in my life, but yeah. sure, put me in. Mm-hmm. So I spoke there and I don't, I, I don't even know what happened. I was mm-hmm. just like, this is where I am. This is my space. Yeah. Like this is what I, this is my jam. Mm. I've just felt this part of who I was like expressing and validating itself in a way that it never had before. I was Mm. like, I can be, you know, more than the sum of my bruised and broken parts here Mm -hmm. and people love it Mm. and they, they want to see it. And Mm. I was just like, this is so, this is so new to me. Hmm. Um, and of course, you know, we're talking about, you know, sexual violence survivorship and I'm sharing my story. I'm Mm -hmm. being very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was this group of like hecklers all guys and there are you know being assholes and there's only like four of them and there's Mm -hmm. like 200 of us but Mm -hmm. they're very loud Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're like fuck you guys like you're all liars Mm -hmm. you know Kavanaugh didn't do shit you're Mm -hmm. just being whiny Mm -hmm. and I get like very offended Mm -hmm. and I see this girl she's probably my age but she's very small and she's the only person standing between these guys and the rest of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And they're just like berating her and berating Mm. her. And I was just like, Oh, absolutely. And I went over and I stood next to her Mm -hmm. and then they start berating me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, this is not good organizing tactics. Like nobody should do what I did in this moment. Um, like you, in that moment, I should have gotten one of like the very big male security guards to go handle it. Mm-hmm. Not me. Mm-hmm. Who's like ready to fight in yeah. this moment. And you know, they're like getting in my face. They're like, we're live streaming. Like, what the fuck do you have to say for yourself? Like you're a liar. Everyone here's a liar. Mm. And, I snapped and I was just like, how dare you say that to me? Like, you have no idea what I've been through. And I'm mm-hmm. like telling them what happened. I'm like, I was sexually assaulted. You want to tell me I'm lying? Like, mm-hmm. look me in the eye. And they're like, okay, well maybe not you, but like, <laughs> and I was like, well then who? And mm-hmm. they're like, well, we don't know. We don't know the truth. All this bullshit. Yeah, all this yeah. like rape culture bullshit. And I was just, after a while I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck this. Fuck you. Just fuck. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And I walked away, sat down on Hollywood Boulevard and started sobbing. Mm. <laughs> and the organizers of the March found me and they were like, Oh shit, what the hell happened to you? Like mm-hmm. you're a mess. And I was just like, oh, they made fun of me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sad. Yeah. Like they told me I was a liar. They didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you're safe here. Mm-hmm. You're one of us now. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Mm-hmm. We'll take care of you. They like gave me food. They gave me water. Mm-hmm. They were like, we'll wait. We'll call you an Uber. Mm-hmm. You go home. Mm-hmm. You've done plenty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and they were like, we would love for you to come to our meetings Mm -hmm. and like, we're going to plan another March Mm -hmm. in another month. Like Mm -hmm. you should be there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, yes, 100%. And I just didn't look back Mm. from then. Mm. Um, and that journey has been so weird. Mm. Like, Oh my God, the things I've learned in these spaces are things that I genuinely don't think I could have learned anywhere else. What are describe these spaces? Um, organizing spaces. Are any, any particular, what is the particular issue uh, well, that uh, these spaces are organizing around or for? Well, with this one, like organizing around sexual violence, mm-hmm. none of us had any idea what we were doing Meaning? at all. None of the organizers. We were all just like, we care about not allowing anyone else to be sexually assaulted. Okay. But that was like the extent of our like, you know, intellectual underpinning of what uh, we were doing. Uh-huh. Um, and it, I, I want to hold compassion for my younger self because mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm ready to show up and do everything yeah, possible. A lot for of this energy. Group. Mm-hmm. And I trusted people that I probably shouldn't have trusted in the organizing circles. Yeah. Why do you say that? There feels like a story <laughs> there. So there are we're a lot park. of stories yeah. there and I will not, I will not name the no, names no, 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 of no, no, people, but I found out down the line that mm. I had been not just lied to, but like severely gaslit and manipulated mm-hmm. by several of the other lead organizers. Why did, why, what was, what why there was one organizer that was just like (sighs) mentioned a lot of different parts about her uh, about their life Mm -hmm. and um serious things Mm -hmm. things that you don't lie about Uh uh-huh and we found out that 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 they had lied about them and why like i because she needed to, cred? To this day, I don't know why. She, she, so she lied about very serious things. We don't have to get into what those, but one can imagine. I, well, I'm, I know what I'm imagining. We never, we never interrogated whether or not their experience with sexual violence was real or not. Uh-huh. We didn't want to go down that road. Sure. But there were other things that you just, you don't lie to people about that we were lied to about. And, and that happened more than once with one, more than one person. Yeah, and we all started like putting together our different experiences and our different stories, and we were like, wait, she told us, she told me one thing, and she told you a different thing, and she actively demonized you when she was talking to me, and she like kept us separate so that we would never talk. Wait, that sounds like an abuser. And we were like, oh, hold on. Wait, and this entire web of lies just like sprawled out why do you think ah this this again is my own bullshit and i'm trying to understand because i'm not i I don't i I mean i don't fully even understand so i'll do my best (laughs) why do you think that why do you think that that specifically because i've heard of this type of thing happening happening yeah in uh these particular types of organizing circles why do you think that that is the case the simplest way to kind of sum it all up is that hurt people hurt people Mm. and even in all of my anger and frustration at this person where I was like you know reckoning with the fact that like I was lied to Mm. I trusted them Mm. they betrayed my trust and Mm. multiple other people's trust um even in all of that I was like 
this wouldn't happen without a reason. Ah. There, there must have been something that pushed this person to feel like they had to do this. Ah. And I hold a lot of, um, I hold a lot of softness for that. I don't Mm. excuse what happened, but I very much, and my community members left the door open Mm. saying, whenever you are willing to address the harm that was caused and, um, you are ready to, um, to own your part in this and we're here, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. it through all of this, Mm -hmm. we, we believe that this is coming from a place of hurt and a place of trauma. Mm -hmm. We love you. Mm -hmm. We want the best for you Mm. because of what happened. Mm -hmm. We are removing you Mm. from this space, but we hold a lot of space available in case you are willing to repair this. Mm. That has not happened. And Ah. I don't anticipate that, that that it will happen, but that was my thought process where I was like this, no one decides to, well, I'm sure people do, Mm -hmm. but it's very rare that people just decide to like concoct this entire like reality. Just, yeah, there it, Things don't happen like that. Everything happens in a vacuum Mm -hmm. or nothing happens in a vacuum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are going to be people that surprise you (laughs) and it's going to happen in a way that you could never anticipate, Mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with spaces that are dedicated to such vulnerable topics like this. And that was really difficult because I felt like I put my heart all the way on my sleeve. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to march in and give everything I possibly can to this. And then for folks to not have that same opinion and to take that opportunity to manipulate and lie Mm. and gaslight Mm. and, um, do such harm. I was so shocked. Mm -hmm. And then again, once you see that you really can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if this happened in our space, I'm sure it's happened in others Mm. too. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that there are, cycles of harm that happen Mm -hmm. in other organizing spaces Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately they do. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating to be, um, you know, working towards these different goals and engaging these different practices, um, as a means to an end. But at the same time, like the harm that we're trying to alleviate Mm. is being, um, you know, is being, uh, done in these spaces as well Mm -hmm. huge you know one of the biggest one of the biggest quandaries when it comes to organizing is that we have to be understanding like what our own behavior looks like Uh, as we are trying to lead by example for uh, other folks mm, too mm, mm. um and that's very different with sexual or very difficult with sexual violence organizing because it's like you know rape culture is everywhere we have to unlearn that and be very dedicated to that um, abuses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we have to unlearn that and understand how we uh, replicate and mm-hmm. perpetuate it. That changed how I, how I approach organizing how? partially. Cause I was like, are you more guarded? Oh yeah. Do you, are you more skeptical? Of yes. People? Ah. And Has I that hurt also, your ability to be, to be empathetic as a, as an organizer in this space in particular? Yes. Mm. And that's really difficult because this field requires empathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, with with a with a, a tagline like "Believe Survivors," yeah, I will never apologize for believing people. Yeah, but I will be devastated when I find out that that belief was given mm-hmm. to something that turned out to be deception. Ah, 
Because that doesn't help because then, I, you know, those yeah. poor assholes at the at the rally, there's kind of something to what they're saying. Right. And I'm not like... The, not the... Go ahead. Mm. I, I just... And that that's what I want to... I want to communicate to people, you know, because believe survivors is a very blanket statement. Yeah. And I'm and like... it's not neutral. I will always yeah. believe someone when they come forward and say, I was abused, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z happened to mm-hmm. me, I survived this. Mm-hmm. I will wholeheartedly say, I believe you. Mm-hmm. And if it comes to a point where I am proven wrong, mm-hmm. I'll accept that. Yeah. But I will not apologize for rising in that moment and saying I believe this person. Mm. But that comes with a big risk, yeah. <laughs> too. And yeah. it comes with a lot of uh, things I can't control. Can so, I ask you a question? Yes. Just to bring us into a, the semi-current political moment. What was, did you, when, um, uh, when, um, I cannot remember her name, the, uh, the, the woman who came forward about, uh, with allegations against the current president, uh, what was, what was your, (laughs) um, what was your reaction when that happened? And then what was your reaction to basically much of the democratic political class dismissing her and saying like, ah, no, not really. Um, anger. Mm. There was a lot of anger. At um, what? At the possibility that this presidential candidate at the time had done these things. Mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, again, it was like, here's this, here's this person who is, um, you know, being purported to be a rapist and mm-hmm. they're about to as- ascend to the mm-hmm. highest possible mm-hmm. office that they could yeah. achieve. Yeah. And that's infuriating. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time it's happened. Right. But it was... Um, you know, in the age of social media, you can access all this information and it's everywhere and you really can't escape it sometimes. Um, and Tarana Burke, the, um, original organizer and founder of the Me Too organization Mm -hmm. had a really good point Mm -hmm. that kind of summed up an excellent way of looking at this, Mm -hmm. which was basically like, we don't have a survivor centered justice system. Mm -hmm. We don't have infrastructure to make a survivor-centered justice system or process happen. Mm -hmm. We have a punitive justice system. Mm -hmm. We have a carceral justice Mm -hmm. system. That is what we have right now. We do not have something that emphasizes and puts um, full weight on and importance on the healing of people that have survived violence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Until we have that, we will not have a just process for situations like this. Ah. And that is a to me is the perfect way to look at this Hmm. because, you know, we saw many times over what happens when someone speaks and levels an allegation against someone who holds a position of power. Mm -hmm. We've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. They have, if if they are lucky, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are um, given the opportunity to share their story. Mm -hmm. They are given, um, you know, the opportunity to state what happened Mm -hmm. If they are like the majority of people, they don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But if they are given the opportunity to make their story known, Mm -hmm. they are subject to all of our justice processes and systems that are not set up to care for and to prioritize the healing of people that have survived violence. Mm -hmm. And if that's not what that system is built to do, it's not going to fulfill on it. And we can't expect to be doing the same thing over and over again Mm -hmm. and looking for a different result. Mm. So that, that statement that Tarana Burke 
you know, offered Mm -hmm. gave a lot more space for conversation about what we need from justice processes Mm -hmm. so that when situations like this happen, Mm -hmm. we have a way to work through them and process them in a way that, um, puts an emphasis on and a weight on accountability Mm -hmm. and a process of rebuilding and healing with the survivor at the very forefront and laying out what that process needs to look like in order to affirm their healing. But the reality is we don't have that. Mm -hmm. So if we were to, you know, dig into these allegations, if we are to give this airtime to this story and, um, you know, open it up and air it out and Mm, share it, mm. it's going to end up in these same justice processes that aren't equipped to handle it in a way that delivers the result this person deserves Mm. as a survivor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the quandary we're in. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say that people should never come forward, but that's just to say that we don't have the infrastructure Mm -hmm. set up right now Mm -hmm. in order to have that process play out in a way that leads to the result that is necessary Mm -hmm. or or that I feel is necessary, which is, which is, which is a process of, of building and rebuilding that puts the survivor's interests at the and well-being at the forefront as opposed to placing emphasis on a solution that just disappears the problem in mm. my opinion um, mm. or disappears the person that mm. did the initial harm I see and I mm. think it's it's just it's I, that, I feel like that's our big project moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I definitely do not have answers or a roadmap or even sure. a framework to sure, go sure. about it. But if we're to create a world where sexual violence is like truly unthinkable, like mm-hmm. unimaginable, mm-hmm. we can't even Countenance fathom it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we need a healing-centered justice process mm-hmm. and a healing-centered justice system. Otherwise... Healing for the perpetrator and the victim? Or just the victim? Ooh, <laughs> this is where things get difficult because uh-huh. it's tricky to talk about these things without coming... without kind of like a knee-jerk reaction response where it's like, oh, you're 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 forgiving rapists or you're, you're a rape apologist when it's like, okay, I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is that accountability is is a buy-in. Yeah. And to do that, we have to have some way of encouraging the person who did harm to want to buy in, you know, mm, does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. I think I disagree with how you framed it. I think if there are conditions that are more ripe for someone to become an abuser, mm-hmm. we need to know what those conditions are and we need to develop, build, systematize the interventions that would prevent yes. an abuser from coming to form such that they do not abuse. Because nothing exists in a vacuum. Right. So that's, that's, I would say that differently, but I understand yes. what you're saying. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, that's an excellent clarifying point. Yes. Mm. 
Um, because I don't think that we, I, I think that to your point, if we are to imagine a world where we can't even, we could not even fathom sexual, uh, we, we, we cannot even fathom, you know, that type of, you know, abuse or violence. Like, it's not just that we can't, we cannot fathom someone enduring it. We cannot fathom, therefore, there cannot exist the conditions for someone to abuse. Do you understand exactly. what I'm saying? Like, I don't, yes. I don't think, and I don't, and not to sound like a rape apologist or whatever, uh, whatever that, whatever. I don't, I don't think, and I could be wrong because I, I don't know. I don't know the research. I don't, I don't know. But I don't think that many of the people who are abusers. I don't think that for the overwhelming majority, I don't think that that is just some like uh, internal moral, like just their cells are fucked up. Their right. cells are fucked up. Something's wrong with their brain. It's just, it's, it, you know, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure for some of them that is the case, but my guess is that there are, there are conditions and experiences that they have had mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that rationalize or make it attractive for them to abuse. You yes. know what I mean? Like they're a motivating factor. Yes. So it's like, if that is the case, and I'm not saying that is the case, I'm just saying that that is my assumption. But if that is the case, we then need to, we need to understand what those things are. Yes. And, 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 and eliminate them or disrupt them or unsettle them mm -hmm. such that, you know, we don't have to deal with that anymore. And I don't know if that's an appropriate thing to say, but. I, mean, I think I agree with your assumption mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that as it stands right now, like I said earlier, you know, if you're, um, if you're presented with a potential solution mm -hmm. for, you know, um, uh, sexual violence, when it happens, mm -hmm. the solution that is often given now is, you know, you prosecute your yep. perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And if, um, you know, the prosecution ends up going in your favor, mm -hmm. they go to jail. Mm -hmm. And that is that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's our current conception of justice. That is, yes, that is mm -hmm. the way that things are laid out mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't do anything to address any of those material conditions right. that would have led up to this point right. of, of abuse or that's, harm. That's and right. and the I question for us as organizers mm -hmm. is like, okay, that's not working. What are we building instead? Uh -huh. What is our roadmap away from this uh -huh. and towards this imagined future yeah. and what are the steps that we need in order to get there and that's mm -hmm. a very collective process like yeah. no individual can have all of the pieces to that but if we're eliminating these different um, conditions and material causes mm -hmm. that lead up to this point of harm mm -hmm. then that's going to take a very very wildly different approach yeah. than our current justice system That's has right. scope for. If you're in a situation where there is more stress due to economic stress or yeah. financial stress, there is a higher statistical likelihood of abuse yeah. or harm to occur. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that well-off men, do hello, Harvey Weinstein. Right. Uh, Correlation Jeffrey does not Epstein. equal causation. Yeah, that's right. Like, we'll throw that out. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, that's, that's an example and that's, Again, I, th I think that part should be taken as like one aspect yeah. of a much, much, much broader yes, yes, network yes, of different things yes. that are different inputs yes. to this larger problem. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, when, when we speak about ending sexual violence, like Actually, I, I have a question, though. Oh, do yeah. we think that we do we think that's the, that the statistic that you decided is because it is usually 
it is Ooh. probably usually poorer men who are prosecuted for these crimes than richer men. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do we think that that might be it? Because it's like, you know, you know, the because Eps, you maybe know. the justice system is set up to yeah, that's right. reward rather than punish yeah. these rich men. Yeah, that's right. Because like, you know, Woody Allen is still walking around a free man and, you know, he's alleged to have been, you know, an abuser oh my God. for yeah. many. And it's documented. Yeah, like... he's married to his fucking stepdaughter, like at this moment. <gasps> <laughs> so it's like, Ooh. come on. Um, oh, my. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so I just yeah. wanted to, I just, that yeah. just occurred to me that we can't necessarily, that might be a fuzzy, that might be a, a, a fuzzy statistic that is, is like, is a. Is That's a, a really good point. Is a, what's the word? Like it's tautological is not no that's not the right word but it's uh there's a word for it and i'm usually a wordsmith but <laughs> today is not that day but it's that's it's, fine it's a it's a it's like not straight up statistic is my point anyway potentially go ahead mm. yeah yeah i that that i mean i'm glad you said that because mm. i mean that ties back to the fact that like we don't have the tools to yeah. properly address yeah. this issue that's right and that's right. if we're looking at you know a statistical analysis mm-hmm. and um, I'm not saying that this is the case, but based on what you said, if we're looking at this and we're like, wait, we have a ton of poor men that are being prosecuted yeah. by the justice system. That's right. But if, you know, all people are equally capable of um, enacting abuse yeah. and harm, yeah. why is it that these people are that's overly represented? Right. That's right. Um, you know, that's that's a really good mm-hmm. question that should be researched yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. Yeah. And we should come up with, you know, more concrete figures about that but that would be a really uh, th- I, that speaks again like to I said to what I said that there's just so many different inputs that we need to be addressing mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that's not to say that like one one organizer or one group should tackle no, all of them no, all no. at once Can't but it's it. like if we're looking at this in the broad sense yeah. I always get caught up in the broad sense and no, I, I always need to remind myself it step by step but the broad sense, the broad sense is huge mm-hmm. when we're dealing with the scope of this sort of problem, mm-hmm. and it's going to take many multifaceted, concerted efforts from a variety of angles, some of which we probably don't have the language for sure. or the conception of sure. yet. Yes, but the intention of getting there has to be our focus. So oh. it, it's complicated and it's messy, and there are so many contradictions that arise along the way. Mm. But it's just. It's so necessary. Uh, uh, uh. Talk to me about how you arrived at your politic around abolition as someone who organizes around sexual violence. Because in many people's concept, like that's the first thing they run to when people bring up abolishing the police. Like, well, what about rape ash? Yes. So please help us, Uh, teach us. I don't have all the answers. And I'm still sorting through my own politics and what that looks like. Um, But the biggest thing that I center everything on is that the state is the biggest perpetrator of hey, sexual violence. Like she walking heavy now. That's uh-huh. that's the big thing to remember when we're approaching. And that tell sort of us what you mean when you say that. Well, let's let's look at prisons as like a specific example yep. in this analogy. An arm of the state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or appendage. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. E- extremity. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if we're looking at that. Um, prison system is a state sanctioned site of sexual violence mm. It is a state sanctioned site mm. for the consistent violation of bodily autonomy ah. for whoever is inside of uh-huh. it. As long as we have these state sanctioned sites of sexual violence mm-hmm. and violations of bodily autonomy, we cannot have 
a world free of sexual violence. Tell me what you mean by that. As long as we have a, uh, as long- an arm of the state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is creating these, um, these locations, these spaces, institutions. where these institutions, mm-hmm. yes, where um, sexual violence and gender-based violence and violations of bodily autonomy are committed regularly, uh-huh. and they are actually ingrained into the structure yeah, of the system. Right. That's right. They, when they do that and that exists, mm-hmm. we cannot have we cannot a world stamp that it is out anywhere else. This is true. Ah, they are incom- It is incompatible. That's right. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is also Ooh, you're talking good now. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is work that I have been digging into with my work in regards to menstruation and menstrual freedom. Mm. So I'll bring that around yeah, in please. here too. Yeah. But that's related to this as well because, um, you know, people that are incarcerated that are um, menstruating mm-hmm. are situated within this site that um, consistently and is instructed to violate bodily autonomy. Mm. So while um, while we still have these sites where um, bodily autonomy is not respected and is actively just demolished mm-hmm. by agents of the state, mm-hmm. we cannot have a world where menstruation holds no one back and we cannot have a world where um, sexual violence is eradicated and we cannot have a world where bodily autonomy rights are fully fulfilled. Tell me what you mean when you say all those things. Um, Go point by point. Okay. So the surface level statistics we know about sexual violence Mm -hmm. in prison Mm -hmm. are really fucking bad. And the statistics don't tell tell the whole tale Mm -hmm. because, you know, in any case, (laughs) any instance of, you know, sexual assault, sexual violence that happens has to be reported through different channels. Mm -hmm. There's a power imbalance Mm -hmm. between the people that are reporting and the people that are um, receiving the report. Uh-huh. There's no guarantee that there's, a, you know, going to be any type of action. Mm-hmm. And when people are incarcerated, mm-hmm. their humanity is taken from them mm-hmm. in a way so that these acts that violate their bodily autonomy mm-hmm. are encouraged. Ah, uh, meaning do you, are you citing specifically like the, uh, the cavity checks like that they do yes what else well uh, relationships with well i wouldn't even say relationships but interactions between people that are incarcerated and guards yeah the guards have almost complete impunity yeah uh, about what they how about they how they interact the yeah. what mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. to these folks mm-hmm. that's an that's an incredible that that's a power dynamic that you know if we're talking about creating a world free of sexual violence like that power dynamic can exist yeah it does can't get more stark than that but it's mm-hmm. protected by this institution of prisons yeah so therefore if we are actually saying that you know we we are working towards this imagined future where mm-hmm. um, sexual violence does not exist mm-hmm. and cannot exist mm-hmm. then we cannot have these institutions that allow it and perpetrate it right and that's but tie that back to the menstruation piece because that you said three things and I want to under, and I want to make sure I'm understanding them. Yes. So folks that are incarcerated that menstruate mm-hmm. are um, normally they are given a set amount of menstrual products mm-hmm. for each month mm-hmm. and it's usually some egregious amount like mm-hmm. 5. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like without any concern that you know, some some people who menstruate might have very long menstrual cycles or, or might heavy. have like fibroids uh-huh. or endometriosis uh-huh. or 
PCOS, uh-huh. which means that you are going to have an extremely heavy period yeah. or you're going to be in a ton of pain and yeah. you require like specific treatments for that. Uh, like uh, uh. there's no regard uh-huh. for that. Yeah. And, um, there are also instances where if you have two folks that are sharing a cell together, mm-hmm. the guards will give the, um, the two folks like 13 products mm-hmm. to share mm-hmm. 13's an odd number. Yeah. So Some, how are you going to uh, share that equally? Uh-huh. And you have to share that for the month. Ooh. So already we're starting off from this point of like, they are setting you up to be in this place of scarcity. Yeah. And in order to get more um, products, mm-hmm. these folks that are incarcerated have to purchase them from, from commissary, commissary yeah. where they are up-priced yep. um, an insane amount. Mm-hmm. And these folks are making... A dollar an Nowhere hour. near enough yeah. to be able to afford this upriced right. item. So right. they're they're setting them up to mm-hmm. fail, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And suffer like a physical indignity of like having soiled clothing. Yes. Um, soiled bedding. Yes. Um, yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the risk of infection goes up yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, it it's just all around like dehumanizing prisons are not built in order to accommodate anybody Mm -hmm. at all but they are not built to accommodate the needs of people who menstruate ever they never have been and they're it's very important for us to understand that like when you are incarcerated Mm -hmm. you are still like your body is still menstruating the way it was when you were not incarcerated so um our concept that we've come up with as menstrual freedom mm-hmm. means uh, removing and abolishing all systems that prohibit people who menstruate mm-hmm. from experiencing their period in a dignified and empowering way. Because that, because when you're able to experience your period in a dignified and empowered way, what does that mean? That means that you have control over your own bodily autonomy mm-hmm. because periods are... Uh, at the end of the day, they are a bodily function. Yeah. I, I want to be very careful in this because for some folks, um, menstrual freedom means not having a period. Sure. It means like that is how they want to experience periods is by not having them. Right. And that's part of the that's picture valid, because yeah. like, you know, it would be naive and really narrow minded to be like a period has to be a glorious and beautiful thing. Yeah. That's not how no, everyone feels. No, fuck no. <laughs> I guarantee that, you know, you talk to most people and they're not going to feel that yeah, way. That's right. So, um, yeah. So our, our concept is that as long as there are, it's very related to what I said earlier, but as long as there are these state sanctioned sites where bodily autonomy is regularly violated, mm-hmm. We cannot have a world in which people have complete control over their own bodily mm-hmm. autonomy as long as these institutions stand. Mm. So, in order to get there, we have to be we have to be getting rid of the physical manifestations uh, of these systems mm-hmm. that violate bodily autonomy. Because in a world where people experience everybody, you know, indep- irrespective of your uh, gender identity, in a world where everyone has full bodily autonomy, that means it's a better world because? To, in my, from my perspective, mm-hmm. that means that we would be creating a world where each individual has within their power the ability to determine their own well-being and ah. their own destiny. Ah. 
as of right now, those things are largely conditional mm. and that is reliant mm-hmm. on a lot of the power that those conditions are mm-hmm. reliant on the power structures and systems that have been set up. Uh. In my experience, these have been difficult conversations mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. because they necessitate the dismantling of a lot of things. That's right. You have to and unsettle what we have. it's a huge, huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the fear of the size of the undertaking should stop us. Ah, why? Because it, sh- it should still be worthwhile even if it's large. Because? <laughs> you talking good. Go ahead. Because. Because, the, because at the end of the day the cost or, or, or the, the alternative to this mm-hmm. is we stay where we are and we know, and we that know that ain't it. what happens mm-hmm. with what we have currently. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we know that this current reality isn't, isn't sustainable. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I say not sustainable, I mean in that it actively like destroys human life. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I think for me, like my, I get annoyed with like kind of the watered down version of like what sustainability is. And I'm like, I feel like sustainability should pack a punch, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) we're talking about sustainability. Like let's really talk about everything. So, Mm. um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, um, the alternative is too, um, too violent, too inhumane and too unsustainable to continue. Mm -hmm. We have no other choice than Mm -hmm. to try to create this other, Mm -hmm. um, imagined reality as mm. of, imagined as of right now yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so this is and this is gonna is do you think that this is gonna be your life's work or this I want is the it to work be. For, ah, okay you want it to be because i don't want to waste my time here mm. on this earth mm. just by treading water hmm. or just by um accepting that you know this is what we have and this, this is the is best what we can do we will yes mm. because that would mean um, if you were to spend your life treading water, that would mean that would mean that I didn't do anything to stop it. Ah. And that's something that I need to, I need to sit with because mm-hmm. it's like, if, if, if I haven't done anything to stop it and I know it, mm-hmm. I need to be okay with that fact. Ah. And if I can be okay with it and sleep at night, then good for me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not how I feel. Mm. So I would rather do something with that urge mm-hmm. and channel that, ang- that anger and that um, that spark that has begun to begun to grow mm-hmm. into something that has some sort of tangible impact, but I'm open to figuring out what that tangible impact is. That tangible impact may be that I fuck up so many times mm-hmm. that I learn from those mistakes what not to do. Sure. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't expect myself to get everything right mm-hmm. every time and mm-hmm. be exactly what's needed in all situations. Sure, sure. So whatever that tangible impact is where I can walk away and say, you know, that tiny little thumbprint there, like that was me putting mm-hmm. my finger on the scale on of this. history. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's kind of, maybe that's a way for, you know, maybe that's a way for me to feel like I have, you know, demonstrated that I am of some importance, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I just... Whoa, my voice just cracked. But um, I just feel that there's there there's just no other way, mm. and I can't allow myself to move forward knowing that there's no other way, mm. and not doing anything with that knowledge. Mm. I see. What would so what would <laughs> what would Roz at your big age of twenty five? What would you? <laughs> 
What would you hilarious. say to like teenage Roz who who oh. felt like she didn't, who felt like she was still trying to find her way, or to use your I think the the the, the word you used was who felt very lost. What would you say to her, knowing and being knowing what you know now and being as you are now? What would you say to her? You're going to be very proud of who you grow into. Which is? Which is someone that actually finds their footing rather than being someone who's cast out Mm -hmm. and being kind of pulled by the tide. Mm -hmm. You're going to be very proud of when you can finally set your feet down Mm -hmm. and you can feel that connection. Are you very proud of yourself now? Yes. Why did you say this slowly (laughs) and dramatically? Because I am so self-critical. It Mm -hmm. just hurts sometimes how Mm -hmm. critical I am. I am very, I am. And I'm proud of how different I am than who I was 10 mm, years ago. Because that difference is seen most clearly when? That difference is seen most clearly when I look at my willingness and my my commitment to um to being my authentic self and to embracing that part Mm -hmm. of me rather than putting myself into these awful contorted shapes Mm -hmm. that were prescribed Mm -hmm. um and it's just i'm i'm kind of losing my train here but It's 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 Really, I, I, the difference between who I feel like I was at 15 and who I am at 25 is like so dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really startling. Sure. So I'm proud of my commitment to transform. Mm. I'm proud of my commitment to lean into what was scary. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of everything that I let go of mm-hmm. in order to step into something new and something healthier for me. Mm, that w- what's interesting is what you just described is, is, is the outcome or the process and the outcome of the work that you do. Like the ability to transform something, uh, even when it feels scary, uh, into a healthier future or a healthier, you know, reality. So that, that makes very, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Anything we should know? Like if people wanted to find you and maybe get yeah. involved with some of your efforts, where would they find you? You can follow Operation Period mm-hmm. at Operation Period on Instagram and Twitter. We have a book club called mm-hmm. Reading for the Revolution. If you right want to join. On. Super cool. I'm a facilitator. We're doing a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can just go to Operation Period um, on Instagram and click on our link tree. Mm-hmm. And we can plug you in that day. Oh, right on. Um, yeah. And I am on Instagram as underscore, underscore, Rosalind Jones, underscore, underscore. Okay, right <laughs> on. That's me. Right on. <laughs> and yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for being no. so generous with your time and thank your story you. today. I'm very glad that we were able to make this happen. It was, it, it, it was, it took a lot. Uh, yeah. because of my schedule and hers, but it, but it but came together. So and we, we did made it, it happen. Yes, I'm so. grateful for you and for creating this space for me. So. Thank you. I'm grateful for you for allowing me into your life for several hours. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be a weird thing for a complete ass stranger to be all up in your business. It was fun. Okay. I do it again. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right.
menstrual freedom. Now see, this is why I started this podcast, because there are so many realms of leftist organizing that I'm not even aware of. It's so fascinating. Okay, uh, what am I about to ask you to do? That's correct. I'm going to ask you to subscribe. I'm going to ask you to share this wonderful little creation we got going on here. Please. Pretty please. (laughs) Oh, and also the links for Roz are in the show notes. Okay, see you next week.